Welcome to the Four Oaks Midtown podcast teaching series on the book of Ephesians. Uh, We're calling this series, The Riches of His Grace. And uh, the point of this is to just give you some access to the Word of God while you're on a drive, working out, doing chores, whatever you're doing with your daily life, you can get some of the Bible into your mind, into your heart, so you can think about it and meditate on it and hopefully gain some insight. And uh, I, you know, something that I talk about a lot is how desperately we need to study the Word of God, to learn it, to really understand what it says. And uh, that's why it's so important that we read the Word in these little podcast sections. I don't want to just assume that you know it. I want you to actually hear God's Word coming into your ears, into your brain, so that it can start to change you. And uh, Ephesians is such a great book because there's so many powerful doctrines in this great book. And if you look at Ephesians, it really starts with a couple chapters of pure theology, and then it leads to applying that theology. And that's a pattern that Paul often does. He teaches you truths about God, knowledge of God, which is theology, the study of God, the knowledge of God. And he takes that and applies it into how we live that out in our lives, with our families, with children, with our fellow church members. How do we live as a church? All of it flows from proper doctrine. So this isn't some lofty, abstract thing for theological nerds to worry about. Paul is writing Ephesians as a letter that's going to be circulated through multiple churches because this is important for everybody to know, not just the super spiritual people, but for men and women of all different ethnicities, of all different social classes to understand the riches of God's mercy for every person who is in Christ. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1, uh, I'm sorry, verses 15 through 23. In the first chapter, uh, first section, we talked about all the blessings we have in Christ, the blessings of redemption by his blood, uh, that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that his grace to us is not based on our merit, that he has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us as a down payment of our future inheritance, that we will be resurrected and inherit life eternally with him. And the spirit with us now is, is God saying, If I'm good for this first installment of all my promises, I'm good for the rest. And all of this centers around faith, around trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our our salvation. And it's pure grace. God did this all in love. God loves us, not because we're lovely, but simply because he is good and he sets his love upon unworthy sinners. That's the grace of God in our life. And what we're going to see in Uh, chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, is we're going to see Paul's pastoral heart. We're going to see his prayer, what Paul wants for the church. And what's so fascinating about this is you got to remember, Paul is 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 a pastor and a missionary at heart. And despite all the problems in the church, all the reasons he could be cynical, and all the reasons that he rightfully brings down the law on people, which he does, he's not a pushover. Paul still has a deep love and affection for the church. He doesn't go into cynicism, but he actually, he goes to gratitude and he goes to, to trust in the purposes of God working through imperfect, messy people in imperfect, messy churches. 
So I want you to listen to the ways that Paul is thankful and the specific things that Paul prays for in this passage. This is the word of God, Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Paul begins by telling this church that because he's heard about their faith in the Lord Jesus, that they're standing firm in their faith in Christ and that they love one another. Because he's heard this, that he's connected to these people, that he's not detached from these people, but he knows and has heard about their love, it creates in him a wellspring of gratitude that he expresses in, in, in prayer. He never ceases but gives thanks when he remembers them in their prayers. And, and when he sees the fruit of God, what does he ask for? More. I want more. I want more of what God's doing in your life. And he prays that, that the God of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the Father of glory, may give the people at Ephesus a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, one of the things we read in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, is that the Messiah will have the Spirit of the Lord resting on him. So what Paul is saying here is that because the Spirit rests on Christ, and we are in Christ, we too have that same spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? It reveals knowledge of God. So the whole Trinity is involved here, right? The Father is invisible, but we know what the Father's like because we see the Son. That's why Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The way the Father treats the Son shows us how the Father treats us. The same fatherly affection the father has for the son is the same fatherly affection he has for all those who are in the son. So it's through Jesus that we see the fatherly love of God the father. So the character of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. In other words, God is not hidden from us. That we can know exactly what God is like by looking at Jesus. And that the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, is what brings that to life in our hearts. Often people call the Holy Spirit the quiet member of the Trinity because he's always pointing away from himself. He's always pointing towards Christ, right? So the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit reveals who God is by pointing us to see Jesus Christ. And the process is amazing what, it's how, how Paul describes it. He says, when the spirit opens your eyes up to Jesus and the character of God, it's like having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And he's using this imagery of saying, you can't see anything unless there's light, unless it's illuminated. And in the same way, your heart, which is the center of your intellect or the center of your will, 
can't behold God without illumination, without the Holy Spirit opening your eyes to see it. And he says, even as Christians, we, we, we want to have our hearts continually enlightened. We want light to be shed more upon the truth so that we might know who Jesus is, that we might know the hope to which we have been called, the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints. What is this? He wants us to know the fullness of all that God has promised to us. Like our glorious inheritance is ultimately life with God in his kingdom forever. And, in, and we can't see that now because of the world around us, it's falling apart. But when the spirit of wisdom reveals to us Jesus Christ and the hope that he promises, we see by faith what is going to happen, that there is a glorious inheritance waiting for us that we cannot see now, but that with the eyes of faith enlightened by the spirit, we can still hold on to. And furthermore, he says, not only does faith by the spirit give us access to that future hope, but that we can start to experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe. And it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and raised him up into the heavenly places. And I want you to follow this here. God has exalted Jesus Christ. A Christian is someone who's united to Christ by faith. We are in Christ. That means that what is true of Jesus is now true of us. That the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also raise us from the dead. We are raised spiritually in conversion, meaning our hearts are turned from loving sin to now loving God. That's spiritual resurrection. And one day we will have a physical resurrection when Jesus Christ returns. We will be raised from the grave. So the same resurrecting power that God showed toward Jesus by his spirit is the same resurrecting power he's gonna show to us, right? And beyond that, Jesus wasn't just resurrected. We often forget this, but Jesus was also exalted. He was lifted up into heaven. It was his ascension. And now he rules at the right hand of the Father over all the nations. And one day, that rule we will share with him, not equal to Jesus, but as co-heirs of his kingdom. And this is why, and this is fascinating. He says that Jesus has a name and a power above all rulers and authorities and, and dominions, meaning all spiritual powers, all government powers, all opposing powers in the world that would raise its name against Jesus are subordinated to him now that he has been exalted at the right hand of Christ. Jesus is the king right now. And he has put everything under his feet. This is an allusion to Psalm 2, where the messianic king puts all the nations under his feet. And notice what he says, though. What does Jesus do with this authority that he has as the risen king? He gives himself, or he's rather given by the Father as the head of the church. And then he fills the church with himself. In other words, Jesus rules the world as a sovereign king, but he rules in a special way over the church as its head. And that all of human history is centered around the church. We often think about how the church is irrelevant and, you know, the church is weak and we don't know what's going to happen and we feel like we're losing the, the, the culture war and all these different things. But Ephesians has a, has a different view of things. Ephesians teaches us that only in the church does Christ say, I am the head of that in a unique way. Only the church is my bride. Only in the church can you experience the fullness of God. Only the church is my body. So the church has a special place 
in God's heart, and he governs the whole world for the benefit of his bride. We may not feel that way. We may feel like we are, we are just, we, we, we have no capital in the culture. We may feel like we're afraid of what the future is going to hold. This is the promise that God has, God has predestined his people for glory. That God has redeemed a bride for himself. And that the same resurrecting power that raised Jesus from the dead is coursing in our veins. That the church itself, indwelt by the Spirit of God, is the body of Christ. And it will never fade. And it will not lose. Even though we may face setbacks. Even though there may be some confusing things. God is centering all of history on his work in his son, Jesus Christ, by the spirit, through the church, through his body. I hope that gives you a sense of purpose in your life. I hope you don't neglect the local church and think of it as just some country club or some hobby you have or just a nice community. But do you recognize that your little local church is the very body of Christ? whom Christ is the head and through whom God is unveiling his purposes to redeem the world. That is an amazing thing, to bring sinners back to God through the body of Christ, empowered by the Spirit, led by Jesus Christ himself. That's an amazing call, and I hope that we can take that call to heart. Thanks for listening to this. We're going to have more content coming for you very soon. Make sure you share this and leave a review. And that really helps uh, get the message out, get these teachings out. And we'll see you next time.